everybody, and welcome to this month's final year-end wrap-up of the Little Rock Games Game of the Month Club, where we're going to talk about some of the games that we played over the past year that weren't the games that we played for our podcast. Um, I'm Brad. I'm Tanner. I'm Olivia. I'm Robbie. And I'm Joe. And we're going to just kind of jump in and talk about uh, games that we played over the past six months to 12 months. Um, any kind of games are fair game, <laughs> if you pardon the pun. Um, so I'm going to say, um, how about you start, Joe? What'd you play? Okay. I will start. Thanks. Um, I played a lot of different games. Actually, in December, just last month, I played a lot of Red Dead Redemption 2. I also um, played a ton of point-and-click hidden object games. Really? Which I... I would not have guessed you cool. would at all enjoy that. I love the... The thrill banal of Banal narratives and the... <laughs> oh, <boy>. so <laughs> They're super fan. fun. They're all, all the ones I play are, played, are uh, made by a company called Artifacts Mundi. Yeah. And there's like 4,000 of them on Steam. Mm-hmm. And they are like little pieces of candy. Hmm. So I'm happy to talk more about those at some point during our discussions today. But that's what I did for most of my holiday break. Nice. That's not a bad holiday. That's a, a nice little... It Low stakes, relaxing. Mm-hmm. yeah, a relaxing diversion. Yep. Yeah, yeah. No um, stress. No, you weren't you weren't shooting anybody no. in them most and, of the time. And I play the casual mode where, like, if you don't figure out where something is after about seven seconds, it puts little sparkles around. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so you're like, oh, there it is, like <laughs> grandmother mode. <laughs> kind of. I like it. And the, you know, they don't penalize you for just randomly clicking and. Right. It's really right. very nice. It's as calming a, a game as I play. So I haven't played a lot of point-and-click games. Do some of them penalize you for, for clicking the screen? Well, so it's interesting. So this is kind of, this is a mixture. So there's there's the genre of just point-and-click, mm-hmm. which will have some puzzles, but the puzzles are usually integrated into sort of the environment more. So like Curse of Monkey Island right. and um, the serpent, the sword, uh, what are they called? Not Serpent's Curse, the... I what is that know. series called? Not familiar. Anyway, they're, they're, Curse of Monkey Island is the most probably the, one of the most famous. Right. Um, these, the ones I'm talking about, are more like they're point and click with heavy puzzle and hidden object stuff. Okay. So it's like you spend most of your time interacting with the environment and, and you don't really ever see other people. Um, whereas most point and click games, there are like characters who show up and you're talking to the character, like there's like a shopkeep and you're supposed to, mm. you know, anyway, it's a small distinction, but, but the, um, that kind of game with all the hidden object stuff, if you, the harder modes, you can't, they, you get penalized for, for random clicking. Okay. So like if you just click around because you can't find it. Um, Does it essentially turn off the interaction if your your clicks are too frequent? I think they like, just you lose time on your timer, yeah, right? For each click, like that. you start. That's I mean, why I, some of them. I never ever play that way because I yeah. I play extreme them extreme the... point clicks. <laughs> <laughs> it's hardcore. Object gamers, they they really hardcore grainy. But they also they reuse <laughs> the same sort of set of puzzles. So mm-hmm. they, I mean, you've probably seen these, right? So they they do the ring puzzles where you've got sort of marbles that are different colors. So almost every one will have one or two, like at least one of those where you have to 
rotate the rings and get the marbles all in the right color. They have the, the pipe puzzles where you have to turn pipes to get them all to... So there's a generic set of about seven different kinds of puzzles they just reuse over and over. Some of them, um, do, do some of them have like a set collection as as a mm-hmm. third layer of game yep. underneath all of this. Yep. And I then, played a couple of these. And then cl- they have sort of classic jigsaw puzzles. Yeah. So like, they'll be like, oh, the plate broke. Put it back together again so mm-hmm. that you can summon the demon god. Um, <laughs> but they again, and they also have these like I was wasn't kidding. They have these really banal narratives, like, you know. There. The ones I played are like, um, and they're all female Indiana, protagonists. Too. Female protagonists, yeah. but an Indiana Jones kind yeah, of exactly. person yeah. who's looking for the 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 archaeological yeah. mystery of something. And I, the most recent one I played um, is uh, it's like was called like Age of Inventions, and my character Abigail or something. They they all have names, and then so like they're like choose your character's name, and they put in the name of the character. So it's like choose your character's name, and it says Mary. And you could put a different name in, but through the whole game, they're like, hey, Mary. Yeah, you're so Mary. <laughs> so okay, well, bringing that into game design, that's right. just like something really easy to fix, right? To, to, like Maybe someone intended to have it not yeah. be that way. Um, the, the female protagonist thing is interesting, because like the most recent one I, I guess I watched be played was uh siberia siberia is more Uh, like a normal portal. that's a straight up point and click yeah Yeah. Yeah. it's not like the same i actually think the audience for these i've been thinking about this a lot because i also have played some sort of solitaire games that have narratives around them Mm -hmm. um which also have female protagonists and have like heavy romance Mm -hmm. and it definitely feels like it crosses over with like those um the light phone based Mm -hmm. uh like not they're not like data. They're like CYOA games. Yep. VNs. Yeah. 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 Um, it feels really strongly to me like that. Like I, w- I imagine like a grandmother like playing solitaire, and they're like, "Wouldn't you also like yeah. to have a nineteenth-century romance?" I, th- I think those are behind you. Like, well, there's also crossover with the games that are the. Uh, you, you're matching all of the th- match three types of yep. games, mm-hmm. yeah. And like then and then they have a the thing where Candy Crush is one. Uh, there's one like Homescapes. Is that one? I don't remember. I watched yes, a, yes, a GDC talk that was something like this. I think it was like a like a switch swap three mm-hmm. like game. Uh, but he he had a lot of success of doing like a Victorian romance like yeah. oh, it was like saga. G- yeah, it was like Jane um, Austen theme. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna confess and, and she'll listen to this at some point, but my wife plays like a ton of these kinds of yeah. games, including those she she'll go through phases where she'll pick up and play like ten of those in a row mm-hmm. and then won't touch them again for yeah. a year or two. And then switch to something else like the match three that has all the building building your house or building an island or a resort, you know, all these kinds of yeah. things. Mm-hmm. So I actually got to fall in love with uh, Albert Einstein. Mm. Oh, nice. I was a young Albert Einstein. Did his wife know? <laughs> he was like That's 19. complicated. Which one? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and Zeppelin was one of the villains. The creator Red of Zeppelin? Zeppelin. <laughs> <Whoa. laughs> This game sounds so. Awesome. So did Tim Schafer make this one? Because like, he's done a couple of them. <laughs> but I think I interrupted you, Robbie. Sorry. Oh, well, you hear a lot, um, especially in in recent years, about how everyone's a gamer now, and how there's so every everybody over the age or every age plays games, um, and especially women and stuff. And then when those stats first came out, you had a lot of people saying, "Well, a lot of those aren't real games." Mm-hmm. 
but no matter how you look at it, I mean, just in the in terms of the principles of game design, they are games. Mm-hmm. But even if you look at it in terms of the number of games that are produced, the number of dollars that are made, yep. the number like, of hours that are put into right. it, yeah, huge. these are really these huge. are big legitimate yeah. games. Well, and it's it's also interesting as like a question of like games literacy. Like we've talked about it a little mm-hmm. bit before, like. A, a gamepad, like a controller, is like a daunting prospect, mm-hmm. like if you've never picked one up before. Surprisingly like, so, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, our roommate playing Siberia, that's pretty much the only game she's ever played of her own volition. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just the other night, she, she just finished the third one, or she got the to the third one, yeah. uh, after the Steam winter sale. Um, and she was talking to us about like how it made her think about like game design, like things that she would change mm-hmm. and... Uh, just like breaking down that barrier to entry, um, she was sort of engaging with the experience on like a much higher level than like I would have expected. Because well, people that at enjoy that point. these unique interactive experiences, like it's it's great to see that there's options that don't require mm-hmm. the newest console and the knowing the the literacy of using the controllers and the typical controls. But you know, because everybody knows how to use a mouse and keyboard at this point, so. I think that uh, mobile games, touchscreen mobile games, is changing that. It People already is. know all about swiping and holding so down accessible. a button. And move. Yeah, super accessible. All of those. And I mean, the it's, it's even more intuitive to play a match three game with, with swiping with your finger than it is the old way where originally on the computer, games like Bejeweled, you yeah. would have to click two spots twice to get them to switch. Mm-hmm. This thing, it's literally just swiping that gem into place and it... it, it feels easy for, yeah. for, for new gamers. And at its most abstract, these hidden object games are essentially the same as The Witcher. Yeah. Right? I mean, so you've got narrative cutscenes mm-hmm. interspersed with mechanical gameplay. Um, and in some ways, the mechanical gameplay has more in common with the narrative than it does in, <laughs> you know, in a lot of games where it's like, oh, you're trying to do this, but mostly that's done by shooting people, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, at least in these games, it's a lot of puzzles, like you're you're trying to achieve some goal, the mechanics are these sort of puzzles that are tied to to that goal. Um, but it is, it's abstractly the same structure, which is cutscene mechanics that get you to the next, next cutscene. And then you tell a fairly linear story about... And as know. far as like non-combat mechanics, like the thing that jumps most quickly to my mind in terms of like mainstream games, so to speak, would be like you know, R- or, uh, RTSs or, like, like economy-building games. Mm-hmm. So, like, keeping the scope narrowed down to, like, still an individual experience, yeah. you know, uh, is, like, another strength that, to that, I think. I'm going to jump in at that point with economy-building games and say <laughs> some of my games that I've played over the past uh, months. You guys have... You guys, everybody here in the room already knows what my one of my super all-time favorite go-to games is. Is it banished? It's banished. What? <laughs> yes, I know. Call of Duty: Modern Warfare Two. <laughs> you know. Um, and, um, and and I I, I wanted uh, there's I, I play banished is my go-to game that I play when I'm tired of playing anything else when I just want to totally relax and let something organically build um, in this game. And Joe turned me on about a year ago to. Um, Creative uh, no uh, colonial charter colonial charter, which is a mod that if you if you haven't played either one either banished or the modded version of it, 
It's just so fantastic, and um, Joe's played it. Have, have we? Has ever? Have we all played Banished? Has everybody played, I have Banished? Not played Banished? You guys haven't played I have. Banished. And high five, right? Uh, <laughs> you and I have played enough for all of us. I think so. Yeah, I think we've. You've uh, probably played way I've, more than I've I have. Played a I've played about 150 hours of it. A ridiculous amount of Banished, oh. and I just love it. And I'm gonna only gonna throw in one more little thing, an observation that I had that the game Banished is sort of a uh, industrial age uh, uh, game where you're building building uh, cities and, and giving pe- everybody has a little job to do and they automatically take their job and you build the places where they work and the houses. And then if you've played City Skylines, it's like a contemporary modern version of the same thing. Uh, so you can watch your little people walk around. And then there's the game Planet Base, which is the exact same thing that you're doing in space. <laughs> it's this nice little um, um, trilogy that that this bookended trilogy that I think is fantastic. If you, uh, it would it would only be better if you could like take one from the like go from one to the next to the next. Uh, that would be cool. Those, that would those be cool. Early two thousands strategy games where you could. Uh, Age of Empires. Well, you do that in the game. Yeah. Stone Age all the way up to yeah, like, Rise, exactly. Rise of Nations Rise also did it. Yeah. Or remember um, Civilization, the la- the end of Civilization yep. is that you go to Alpha Centauri when you yes. leave the planet. And then Sid Meier's made Alpha Centauri, which was another wonderful, yes. fantastic... And also Outer uh, Space Civ or whatever it was called. Yeah. I remember? I, was I think so. There's a, Beyond there's, Earth? Yeah, is that what it was? Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 It's not called outer space. It's not called space. Space. So, yeah, that's definitely one of one of the ones that I play really, really often. Mm-hmm. Uh, you love those engine builders. I really do. There's something so satisfying about, as I said, that or- organic, starting small and just letting things build on uh, slowly over time, uh, uh, building on on the thing that came before it. But you, you don't play a lot of paradox developed games do you like like Stellaris and I play Stellaris Crusader, Crusader Kings and um, honestly Crusader Kings Europa. is a it's too much I, for me I, I agree it's, it's, too, <laughs> it's too much for almost everybody it it, it, it on, on on paper and just looking at it and watching the videos of it I was really excited when I first saw it same with Stellaris I like Stellaris more mm-hmm. I have to say um, and it does feel like that yes the or, or, or building uh, uh, connected Pieces from a small start uh, and getting big, just all of it getting really nice and, and big. Um, but it's it's still there's just something so satisfying about being able to click my little person in Banished and they have a name and how happy they are. And you can click on a house and it lists all the people who live there and what their jobs are. And I just but really the, like it. The distinction too between I mean this is an interesting point because I and I think I might have interrupted you again, but okay. there there are two interesting things to me that are tied to stress. That I that I I'd love if we could talk about for just a sec. Yes. So for me, I love the the beginnings of of games like Banished, mm-hmm. but there is always a crisis point at which I'm like I can't yeah. handle this anymore. Like, and for me, it's usually around about a hundred people. Yeah. Some people, I, there's a range. All right, we all have different. And um, also, different games have different scales. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But so the interesting thing about I would make a distinction between Stellaris and both Crusader Kings and Europa Universalis because mm-hmm. Crusader Kings and Europa Universalis both put you in the sort of in the middle of the action right whereas you start out Stellaris feeling basically the same mm-hmm. I'm starting a tiny thing and making it bigger my challenge with Crusader Kings is that 
you have to understand this entire right. landscape from the very beginning mm -hmm. in a way that is for me too stressful. That's exactly why it was um, overwhelming for me. You can't start from a like a kind of tiny little, like at least my experience of yeah. it, which is that I feel like I have to know this this big open already in progress landscape in mm -hmm. a way that I that I didn't enjoy. Well, yeah. I haven't I haven't played Europa, but but with Crusader Kings, I think part of that comes from the fact that. Uh, like the way you start the game is really open. Like you can just click on a random county yeah. anywhere, depending on the expansions you have, from you know Europe to Asia. How many beers do you have? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, and so, you know, like there's you can start as like a small county in like Ireland, and that's sort of manageable. You get to worry about like your like dozen things sort of on your island and work your way up to like conquer that and so there's like a slow progression there yeah uh but i don't think they do a good job from what i remember of like the the template ones that they have you start with right. they're like you're king of spain uh, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> I want to say you start as either france or spain that's right that's just you've bananas. been at war with france for the last 130 years <laughs> right. and also, here are 17 things that are going on as a result right. of that you have a claim to like the kingdom of yeah. spain but your yeah. brother split like yeah the, the, the sort of christian yes. half and half and Never you're also being stressing me out it's stressing me out right now. The Catalonians, what the hell are they doing? Yeah, it's it's yeah. one of the three, yep. <laughs> three games that I recently played, and I was like, I haven't played Crusader Kings in like a year. I can <laughs> start that up. No, no, I can't. Right. I, uh, I've started it probably five different times, where I've said, I know there's something in here. I know that all these people who like this, and I know that all the video and all the things that I've seen about it, there's something there, and I just haven't been able to access, to access it yet. The somewhat sad thing I think is I enjoyed Crusader Kings most with the Game of Thrones mod and <laughs> I think that speaks more yeah. to the kind of history I pay attention to because the thing I liked was <laughs> I was like I know who all of these characters are even like the tiny little insignificant characters I remember hearing about those so sure. I know why it's a big deal when like those two people marry yeah. but like I don't know the random like Slavic like powers in the year 1182 that I'm playing against I, I have no context for that yeah. although uh, to be fair if you played it that would be a great way to learn who all those people were in history right yeah. uh, some of them I know uh, link to the Wikipedia pages for the ones that are actually based on real oh, people cool. so you that can nice. I did not know that yeah. wow. and it really takes smart. you to them most of them are randomly generated yeah. because sure. what if Nantucket had done that with, with whales oh, did you yeah. click on all, all the whales you were killing <laughs> yes. and learned so about this them this whale's name <laughs> was Humphrey right <laughs> <laughs> he had three kids uh, uh, exactly <laughs> produced 800 gallons of oil <laughs> <laughs> lived but, from before you killed him to 1826 <laughs> he was a beekeeper <laughs> for a while yeah a sea beekeeper a sea beekeeper but so yeah I mean so getting back to banished right it, it's it's that question of where where the stress becomes. Yeah. And, and like it, it, it's, a, it's a great it. point because I do the exact same thing. I love the beginning. Um, I love uh, building out, as I said, building out from something small. And it does. It gets to a point. Sometimes it's around 100. Sometimes it's around 200. I've gotten it up to 300. And it's usually... There's, there's some kind of crash that happens. I don't even play with all of the disasters on and all of the crazy difficult stuff. Because... It's almost like gardening in a weird kind of yeah. way. It's it's a it's such a slow growth, um, but I, every I'll get up to a certain point and something crazy will happen. Like I will update my uh, blacksmith 
and then that will, in the time that it's taking to upgrade the blacksmith, I'll run out of tools and I'll have a tool crash. Mm-hmm. And if you have a tool crash, your productivity is, I think, halved or, or yeah. something. Worse. And it's it's terrible, which means that everybody is at a minus all over, including the people who are making the stuff to make tools out of, bringing in all the resources for tools. And it, I, I've played those, and, and it's really almost viscerally disheartening yeah. mm-hmm. to when your people are just... You can you can show the little graph and Not you see your Margaret. population drop. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. See, that's, that's Mephanwi. Right. Mephanwi has died. And then your cemetery runs out of spaces. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I I confess that I only make one cemetery, let it fill up, uh-huh. and I never <laughs> never go back. Now, so, oh. You go ahead. So how does the joy that you get out of these games? I'm just curious... Um, uh, how does that compare to recently, earlier this year, there was those stories of those people that found, that, like, dedicate their lives to fin- figuring out, um, like, combinations of city blocks in SimCity to make, like, perfect run cities that you don't have to touch and that everybody's happy and there's no crime. I, I love the idea of that. And and yeah. we've even, I think we talked a little bit about it before, and Joe, you talked, uh, you sent me a link recently about that to the guy who does the... Uh, do not eat. Yes, uh, the, socialist. Kind of the socialist. The socialist. Uh-huh. City skylines. And and I've Joe and I actually talked about this years ago when City Skylines when I first started playing that that in this sort of wonderful big ideal uh, utopia we can do this with games. We can oh, make games. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, no, that's, where I'm, but that's exactly yeah, yeah, where no, I'm going with it. Yeah, 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 yeah. We can do this in games. We can we can understand how to run planned economies, basically, which is what socialism uh, uh, and communism would, would be. We can figure out algorithms to run planned economies, even with a lot of wiggle room uh, at the extremes for things like famines and droughts and... and population movement and things like that. If we can figure those out in games, it seems like we should be able to at least do a better job mm-hmm. at, at planning and managing with the resources that we know we have. Um, and, it, and it seems like games like that, uh, particularly City Skylines, um, are, are, are really great indicators of, I think, what we could be doing um, if we applied more of this kind of stuff, or, yeah. all watched over by machines well, of loving grace. Or you can do what I do in Roller Coaster Tycoon Two, which is <laughs> flatten everything and make it a giant hedge maze that no one can escape from. Yes, right. <laughs> which is government. <laughs> I'm okay with it, government being out. Yeah. Well, it does bring up an interesting point, though, and and uh, I, I we I know we don't want to go too long on before we move to someone else's stuff, but um, I mean the part of what makes the game. City Skylines and SimCity and these other games function, right, is that people, it, there's an illusion, right? People will actually move away from your city if you do a bad job, which in the real world is not true. Like, in a real, one of the ways that capitalism exploits people is that most people can't just move to a different city right. if their city's doing a bad job or if it's corrupt or if it's, you know, not providing them services because the people who want to keep as much money as possible are doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, in city skylines, if you are like, well, I, I'm going to tax people at 80% and I'm going to, you know, like, I'm not going to give them a fire department and I'm, you know, you would, you just keep hauling in the money and be mm-hmm. like, oh, well, I, they can move if they want, but of course they don't. Um, but in city skylines, they would all, they all disappear. Right. Um, 
So it would be interesting actually to mod city skylines so that the populations had to stick around and then have it be like, you know. Well, there's some game, like Tropico does it in a way. Yeah. They don't really leave. They, they do some, but you, they'll just they'll, revolt. They'll revolt. Yeah, yeah. yeah. right, yeah. which is makes a way more interesting commentary on the politics mm-hmm. of, of management kind of closer to Do Not Eat's YouTube series. There's, there's a sort of nice... Uh, uh, a place where Tropico comes together with democracy, that game, mm-hmm. um, and and kind of underlying games like Vanish and City Skylines. Uh, Tropico stresses me out for that reason. It's a little too real, right? It's it's a little it's too real in that it's when the, when so the many things that you can't you can't control. Surround your palace. Yeah. Yeah. I'm already I'm, again. I'm stressed yes. out. You know that in Tropico Four, you go back in time and compete with your own city. Oh wow! The other but cool the Sandinistas. <laughs> but the other cool thing about these games is that, or not cool, but like the thing that makes them so different from reality is that it assumes a lot of things about your rationality and then also you play this sort of um, really super powerful being that doesn't really exist Mm -hmm. in the world. Even if you are a mayor or even if you are like a dictator, you don't have that level Mm -hmm. of control over things. And it assumes that you, like, by the information that it gives you, that you've bought into the idea that resources are finite. Mm Mm-hmm. Or that you've bought into the idea that like people can only work so hard, whereas in the real world, it's very common for managers or anybody in charge to just say, "Well, work faster," right. and then somehow, you know, it's just assumed that that's going to happen. But you can't—that's not even an option to do right. in games. Yeah. Games. yeah, 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 yeah. There are a few idle clickers that have. <laughs> hey, it's true. <laughs> they, they do have a work faster option. Those the factory managers or, or cap, uh, venture capital adventure capitalist yes. guy, mm-hmm. and then there's the adventure communist game. I think they have, if not that one, one of the other ones has a mechanism of that same thing. So, who's up next? Okay, we get yeah, mine, mine's sort of circle. everybody's looking at Tanner. Brad. Okay, so, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Uh, Go so Jan. yeah, so I have three games on my recently played list on Steam, and one's Crusader Kings two, one's Stellaris, <laughs> and the third one is uh, Graveyard Keeper, uh, which I, I got pretty recently. Oh, so. Nice. Um, so just to wrap up sort of the the RTS economy building game uh, thread, like, so, so one part of that that's really appealing to me is the, the narrative. Like, a lot of people like the min-max, like, the economy, like, I'm going to produce this massive armada and Stellaris and stuff like that. I'm actually pretty bad at the game. Yeah, me too. <laughs> um, but, but, like, in all those kinds of games, like City Skylines, anything like that, what really gets me is sort of the interior, like, narrative I build in my head of, like, why things are happening absolutely and sort of like how people would react to that yeah so it's sort of like it feels like playing with legos i guess yeah or you know uh being a little kid and you have like all the toys that you like act out everything um at least i'm assuming that wasn't just me no (laughs) in in fact i'll i'll i will think about the the history of the growth of this town and village or city Mm -hmm. that i'm doing as as a big grand narrative and it feels it's really satisfying yes Stellaris does a good job of fostering that too because they'll give you the little narrative blurbs and stuff just based on what politics you have and all these different traits Mm -hmm. and they'll pull it together and make it really vivid and yeah yeah so so graveyard keepers sort of similar um it's much smaller scale you die and go to this purgatory-esque place where you keep a graveyard um and I, I picked it up to play it as research for uh, a game we're making that's 
like vaguely similar in theme and tone, uh, potentially. Uh, so I wanted to sort of see how they handle things that have to do with death and how we dispose of bodies. And right. uh, it takes sort of a comical approach on that. Uh, and I, I have learned a lot of stuff from playing it. Um, I'm, I wouldn't say that I like the game very much. There are elements of it I really enjoy, but uh, it is a sort of Stardew Valley esque <laughs> experience. With, with corpses. It's very Stardew yeah. Valley inspired. Like I haven't played it, but I've been watching you and read a lot about it. But huh. it's it's basically Stardew Valley where instead of growing crops, you're digging graves. That's yeah. really funny. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it's sort of this like metaphysical like you you wake up in this place after getting hit by a car and it's sort of this medieval village and town. Um, yeah, and just and, like uh, Stardew Valley, except it's your grandfather. <laughs> yeah, you're sort of transported to this. Maybe that's what happened to his grandfather, yeah. right? Is there fishing? There is. There's of course, fishing. there is. There's dungeon delving. There's autopsies, <laughs> and you you have a torture room that you you improve with skulls, and there's a a church that you improve with like better pews and like candles <laughs> and things like that. Sure. Uh, and you, but the thing is, is like everything is so interlocking to the point of frustration. So the game begins, and there's a talking skull that you find, and he's just like, oh, yeah, you're the graveyard keeper, so I'm going to teach you how to do these basic things. And he's like, okay, you're doing an autopsy. You can take the meat out of the person, and I bet they would buy that at the town. Like, go to the tavern and just sell them the meat. So you do that. You walk over to the town, which takes like a, a minute. Like, it's actually pretty far away, and you get there, and he's like, I can't buy that meat because uh, we used to get a lot of sketchy meat, and so now you need like a seal, and it has to be, like, approved by the government. He's like, but I know where you can buy a seal. Um, there's this really shady guy who's <laughs> under your house every night. So you go and talk to him, and he needs five oh my prayer God. points. <laughs> and I've been playing for about ten hours, and I really haven't, I still haven't sold any meat. So <laughs> there's, like, about eight different technology trees. There's three different technology points that you gather from, like, uh, you get some from like making things, some from gathering things, some from spending prayer points that you can only get once a week to study something. But like all of these systems mesh together in a way that I find really frustrating mm. because every new like goal I try to achieve is met with another like three step goal, yeah. Um, yeah. and you sort of just have to keep grinding to unlock these things. And it's sort of a a distant point from what what our game is. So, like, I, I feel like uh, the game we're working on, which is a dog shelter sim, um, this has sort of led me to, like, skew in this direction some, like, add some layers of complexity, but not nearly as much as this. Because uh, mm. I could easily see this game, unless something happens to, like, exponentially increase the, the progress I make, could go on for, like, 150 hours. Yeah. Uh, and there's a narrative to it, so, like, I'm invested. I oh, want to yeah. get back to my... <laughs> My lovely spouse in the real world by activating the witch portal, or God knows what. Because of course. But like, I, I would be interesting to to talk to somebody who like really enjoys the game and finds that satisfying. So if anybody out there is listening, uh, get back to us about what you love. Just, about just ask them why. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, okay. I would I would like to hear what people get out of it because. Uh, I well, see, the interesting thing is, is it? I mean, it's very Stardew Valley like. And I thought that Stardew Valley would, was a game that I should avoid because I would start it and never stop. Mm -hmm. yeah. But I tried it and it just did not really? get its claws in but, me the way but, I've heard about it getting its claws into other mm -hmm. people. Like, there's something, I just couldn't figure out how to get the loop 
started. Yeah, the same thing happened for me, but I didn't. I didn't dislike Stardew Valley, uh, and I think an important difference there is, from what I understand, most of at least the base level interactions are available from the start. They're like, oh, you can get to know this person mm-hmm. better. You can level up your fishing or your farming or mm-hmm. your yeah. dungeon delving or whatever. There are things that open up as you go along, but they're they're not they're. But Not I didn't feel like I had to do like 18 steps right, to unlock exactly. the most basic level of that. Yeah. Mm. It yeah. just sort of unlocked when I made it far enough in the game. Right. Well, because you have to think about like why somebody's playing that sort of game, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like people play Star Devalid because it's meditative, right? Mm-hmm. And it's, I mean, my understanding yeah. of it anyway. But like if there's something that you're just managing like your tasks and having to do this mm-hmm. thing and having to grind this thing so yeah. you can get this thing, like that was just something that is just a anxiety. Yeah. So, so one of my favorite like writing moments in the game is there's a donkey who brings the cart of corpses. He brings one corpse at a time, uh, <laughs> but he's like uh, a communist like fanatic donkey, um, and he's he's totally cool with you. He brings the corpses, and you're both fine until you get granted like the property of the church, and he's like, "You are now a landed." member of society <laughs> and I will no longer work for you for free you have to bring me carrots oh, or I won't bring you any corpses so you also then have to go and farm carrots and that's a diminishing return of he's seeds. controlling his labor uh, but I, I did enjoy that he he's sort of like the revolution will start with me <laughs> this is the first moment uh, but yeah that was it was a bit of a monologue, but it was uh, the game I've spent the most on in probably the past like hmm. two weeks. That but. sounds awesome. Yeah, it At really worth checking out. Yeah. And and the fact I I've seen it before and I had no idea that it was basically like Stardew Valley, like you're saying. I've been playing Stardew Valley a lot because it came out on the iPhone recently, and Ooh. I got back into it. I, I played it before on the computer, but I got back into playing it, and it's lots of fun. But I won't go into that too much. <laughs> Olivia, what you got? Is it my turn? It is. Okay, well, I've played a lot of games this year, but most of them have been for this podcast. I know, <laughs> so, <that's> right. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, it's been a really a big mixed bag. Like, I've played City Skylines, and I always go back to uh, Roller Coaster Tycoon, but we've talked about... Two. Two, specifically two. <laughs> uh, we won't go back into that genre. I think we've covered it enough. Uh, I also played Firewatch for the first yes. time. Um, so played good. Gone Home, but that was sort of... When we were talking about Tacoma for the last episode. Um, also, I don't have a Nintendo Switch, but I've been seeing so many people talk about Super Smash Brothers. My son just bought it last weekend. Yeah, and so and I just can't I can't handle it. So, but so I've been playing a Super Smash Brothers clone called Rivals of Aether mm. on mm. PC, which is really good. It's really fun. It's really the same sort of genre game. If you like that sort of thing, it's just nice brawly platformer fighter. Yeah. Um but the thing I've definitely played the most this year, <laughs> it came out in January of last year, and about every month I pick it back up again, and I'm still obsessed with it, and it's Monster, Monster Hunter, Hunter World. <laughs> yeah. I knew it's you were going to say that. It's never, it's never going to stop. Mm. It's just... Okay, tell me something about it, because I, I thought I knew what it was about, and then I, I don't think I know what it's about. So, specifically Monster Hunter World, it's uh, not the newest game in the series now, but it's the first game in the Monster Hunter series that's come out on consoles in a long time. And so it's really huge and expanded and whatever. But the concept, like, there's a plot. The plot's bad. Nobody <laughs> plays it for that. Um, but it takes place in this universe where there's these all giant beasties that are terrorizing humanity, and then there has to be people that kill their populations, essentially. I wouldn't even say 
terrorized. They seem mostly harmless to the general population. <laughs> but so they're infinite! They, they are infinite, right. but I've never seen the monsters actually hurt anyone who well, wasn't hunting and them. And some of the other, the other games had, like, plots that okay. were more, like, right. yeah. Fair but, enough. Um, so they're like deer. <laughs> <laughs> they're like large deer that breathe fire, yes. Yeah. Um, it, it, is it a really, it's first just, person or? No, it's third person. First, okay. um, and it's really, like, it's a game that's all about the mechanics and sort of the, like, the, the grind, right? Okay. So Because the game is about you pick your weapon type that you like. There's lots of, lots of really diverse weapons and playing each one is totally, like, different controls than playing a different one. So it's, like, almost a completely different game. Mm. Your goal is to kill the strongest monsters you can so that you can get their parts so that you can make gear out of their parts so that you can fight stronger monsters. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. It's basically the whole game. Um, but they're constantly releasing new content. And there's just something... like The gameplay is just super addictive to me. Is part of that get crafting? Out. Getting their, their, mm-hmm. their pieces to make stuff? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so like for this torso, I need three right. carapaces from this monster yeah. and two fangs from this monster. Or whatever. Is it at all like Ark? My son plays a ton No, of it's not. It's okay. not like a survival game. Like, you go okay. on quests and you sign up for them, and there's like a hub world. And okay. Yeah. I'm going to. It's, um, I, I don't really know if there's any other games that have a similar format in terms of like the, the hub based. Ones that aren't Monster Hunter clones. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. So it's it's super unique, and, and it's really interesting to me. I mean, I've, I've played them since the very first game on the PlayStation 2. And they're extremely, extremely, extremely popular overseas. Like in Japan, it's massive. And a lot of the games haven't come out in the U.S. until this one. And this has been Capcom's best-selling game of all time. Wow. Mm-hmm. So there's going to be more, and that makes me feel What good. platform do you play on? Uh, PS4. Okay. Yeah. I might have to check it out. Mm-hmm. Cause it sounds cool. Mm-hmm. Sounds like it would also make a cool real-world AR Pokemon Go type game. Maybe Would that be possible. They actually have a, a like a mobile-ish game that's very Pokemon-like, not Pokemon mm. Go-like, but oh. Pokemon-like. Monster Hunter Stories. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Send people out with real weapons. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, there we go. Yes. <laughs> like in the middle of the street, swinging. And, like a, and to me, it's a really fun multiplayer game too. Like because you you match with random people, and the cool thing to me, and I don't know why this is such a cool thing to me, but in Monster Hunter World, they don't region lock zones. So like you're playing with people in Japan and in France and in whatever, and they'll nice. they will have the little automatic shout outs and like I know how to say I mounted the monster in like eight different languages now <laughs> because it automatically pops up on my screen. Um, well, there's like an astounding amount of content in the game. Right? It there's really that, is. Like fourteen categories of weapons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I like to say, each one is their own distinct style and controls. And, and there's whatever. probably thirty or forty variants of each weapon that you can craft. If not more than that, yeah. yeah. And there's like seventy monsters in the game or something, and, and they just, have variants too, right? Uh huh. And there's just they've added so much really interesting stuff. So the the whole thing that really appealed to me was having to prepare because it's really difficult. Like it's sort of Dark Soulsy in that regard. Mm-hmm. Like the fights are really hard. You have to prepare for them. You have to bring the right stuff. You have to bring the right gear. You have Potions to use the right items. So yeah. You have to set the right traps. You have to use the environment and drop things on their head and swing around and, and yeah, it's wow. just know where the monsters hang out like you have you to know yeah you have them. to track them you have to know like the way they interact with one another because sometimes they'll fight each other which is good for you sometimes it's not good for you because there's this one monster that will throw other monsters at you <laughs> <laughs> but there's a lot of the co-op is really really direct too right like mm-hmm. i mean so it's it's so hard to 
to kill a lot of monsters by yourself. Yeah, it, it so. is, it's really, it's a nice, it creates lots of nice moments of, I'm struggling with this, let me ask for help, and mm-hmm. then you get help. And then, because there's no competitive anything in the game. It's all fully cooperative, and being able to say, you know, because um, I've actually played it with Tanner a lot over the break, because we borrowed our roommate's PS4. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I dragged him through the whole thing. And it's just fun to be able to talk about, like, different weapon strategies and why you should do this against this monster and talk about the new stuff coming out. When, like, almost all of the weapons have, like, unique mechanics. So, like, they're, they're like, gun, essentially, weapons, and they're, yeah. like, a couple of so, those that work differently. So, and... my main weapon is called a gun lance <laughs> because it's ridiculous and it's Japanese and I love it super much. This giant, massive thing that probably weighs two tons that I can cut with and I can explode with. And that's what I like. Uh, But Tanner uses a weapon called the heavy bow gun, which, and it's totally, it's completely different. It's completely different. I I see a theme here where you take two totally different weapons and you smash them up into one thing. Yep. Uh, that's half of the weapons in the game. Uh, yeah. Like, we, we don't have a sword and an axe. There's a sword axe. Sure. <laughs> um, a swax. A swax, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, but, yeah, so I could talk about it literally for this whole It was really podcast, nice of Tanner not good. to take that as his favorite game moment that he's played. Well, what, to take it out of you. What were you going to say? What is the community like? Like, it sounds like if, like, you have to memorize how... Mm-hmm. What the monsters do and everything. So what if you're bad, or what if you don't know what to do? From my experience, it's like I don't do the voice chat or anything, mm-hmm. but uh, from my experience, it's really forgiving. Like people will take the time to explain to you, like, hey, to avoid this attack, try and do this next time. And one one thing is that um, you share lives, so you get three lives for the hunt. If one of your four people on your team dies, that's one life. Wow. And once cool. all three are done, you're you, you lose, right? Huh. Um, and so it can be frustrating when you're with lower level players, they'll just go and die, go and die, go and die, and then it's over. But from my experience, people are like, all right, let's take a step back. Let's <laughs> teach you why you didn't, <laughs> you, you didn't survive. And then let's try it again. Like, I've, I've had people, like, I, I actually recently had this experience where there's this brand new monster. I had no idea what it did or how to fight it. I card, it's called carding. I carded three times. And I, and it, I felt extra bad because I joined somebody else's quest and then failed it three times. I felt terrible. I felt like a jerk. So I just like left. I like joined a different online session, so I wasn't near that person anymore. <laughs> and then I started my own version of that same quest. Like I'm not gonna mess up somebody else's quest. I'm gonna do it myself. That guy left his quest, found me hosting that quest, and joined me to help me with wow. it. Wow. Um, that is super atypical of online yeah. multiplayer games. I was just like, he's a Tanner. I almost cried. It should be like, he I left like, his quest, came and yelled at me. And it to, died three yeah, times on purpose. To, to call me every name. <laughs> right. He in, swore at me for 20 in minutes. In multiple languages. Exactly. <laughs> then he published my address online. Right, right. So, so people could kill me. Just because that was such a good story, I have a similar story. Year, probably a decade ago at this point, um, for Unreal Tournament. Mm-hmm. I was playing a game, and I wasn't very good. And then someone said, let's go to this room that doesn't have any people in it, and I will show you how to use basically all of the guns. Wow. And like, walk, walked me through like the mechanics of the game. 
And I got better. I mean, it still wasn't at his level, but I got better. And I was like, wow, that's not supposed to happen at all. Yeah, and I mean, you get that a lot, especially now that so Monster Hunter's been out for a full year. There's a lot of people who are really experienced at the game, and especially for the lower level quests, like you could do, I could do it with my eyes closed. I could do it with like two combos, right? Mm-hmm. And But there'll be lots of people who will join lower rank quests. Just for the explicit purpose of helping people. It's you know, a really I, common thing. I saw that in Elder Scrolls Online. I've, mm-hmm. I've played a lot of different um, online massive multiplayers, and almost all of them had huge... Even even ones that didn't start out that way. Ultima Online started out relatively cool, and then the griefing and the mm-hmm. horrible... Mm-hmm. It, it just became toxic environments all over these games. Um, Elder Scrolls Online is one of the only ones that I've ever played, and I think it's because... Uh, PvP is so limited, and and uh, what do you call it when when you say that you want you only do it when you say you want to um, consensual. No. Um, <laughs> yes. What uh, is the word? That's the word. For the thing. Um, <laughs> it, it's all consensual PvP, and you don't you you don't don't even accidentally walk into someone killing you, right? Like in, in a lot of these other games. Yeah. Um, and it. I think it just creates such a nicer environment where so many people are helpful. People didn't yell at people. People didn't, uh, uh-huh. and and it was it was a much nicer, safer so, space. I just think. like Overwatch. <laughs> 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 hey, before we move on to Robbie's, I just well, want to ask a quick question. Oh. I was going to say that that's actually okay. a really good segue into the other game that we just spent a lot of time on. Oh, okay. And we're still spending on, and that's Fallout 76. If we didn't talk about that, we'd be totally missing out. Okay. Uh, so I'll be quick, though. But because of the, I, my big fear about it mm-hmm. was that the player base was going to be griefer. It was just, right. just going to be It was going to be like Rust or any of those other survival games. I assume that's that the whole too. game. Yeah. Um, but uh, Tanner and I have been playing almost exclusively together. Mm-hmm. And we've had lots of different encounters with different other human players. All of them have been wonderful. Like, they've been people that are explicitly like, we walk into somebody's house, and they're there. And they're like, oh, hey, welcome. Do you want some free stuff? Wow. Here's a bunch of stuff. Yeah. Like, let me craft some high-level stuff yeah. that you don't and have access to. to. Yeah. Hey, do you, let me uh, join your team so that you can get the XP boost ability that I have on. Like, it's that's, only, that's crazy. It's yeah. only wow. been that. We've, which is we've crazy. We've never been, like, shot at, like, or attacked. Like, nobody's no. even, like, tried to. Well, you see, now that makes me want to play it. But that's exactly one of the reasons why I didn't want to play it, because yeah. I, I I automatically assumed that it was... I was really afraid like a, of that, because like that's really not nice what I wanted. Mm. And, and yeah, it's totally surprised me. Or so rust where you start with clothes. <laughs> because I believe that the people online that would behave that way naturally are, like, maybe one in... 55 mm-hmm. what mechanically makes them be nice it's it's again that that word you use consensual pvp oh, okay. because you have to opt into it mm-hmm. you have to go into your settings and specifically go and turn it on as it is that's, that's not entirely true okay. it turns on uh oh, yeah, once you get past level five which takes about half an hour uh with the the xp curve in the game um but after that like if somebody shoots you they do like one point of damage out of your like 250 no matter what weapon you're using um and you have to sort of like engage them and then it starts like full damage oh, right. okay. uh so you can effectively like just ignore them they can be annoying about it and just follow you around it, it's it's theoretically yes but i'm again i've never encountered that mm-hmm. and also if that happened all i would do was migrate servers yeah mm-hmm. you know 
Uh, so it's avoidable, and, mm. and 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 yeah, it's just a matter of like it's it's built so that if you want to do PvP actively, you can't because there's a radio station you can tune tune into that says, "Hey, I want to fight people." Oh, wow. Yeah. And other than that, it's basically just. Um, yeah, it's it's been really surprising. Yeah, it's not it's not a perfect game, but that's one of the things that I was really worried about. Mm-hmm. That you know, uh, sort of falls in with the theme we've had of just nice online interactions, <laughs> uh, which seems rare, but maybe not so much. Just maybe depends not. on the game, maybe. But and maybe it's getting better. Maybe they learned. Uh, maybe game creators, especially the big giant ones, have learned from years of games like Ultima Online and uh, so many others where griefing was where the word griefing came from, you know? I feel like it has to do with what mechanics are introduced in the game and what the nature of the game is, right? Because, I mean, even in something like Minecraft, which is about, like, creating these cool things together, Mm -hmm. they have it so that you can fight each other and that it's easy to do. Mm -hmm. And so it happens. Mm -hmm. Well, it's interesting, though, like, how the goal, because usually those those people seem to want to act in some way that's contrary to the game's goal, right? Like, because they're impeding you from completing that, Mm -hmm. right? So Minecraft... If the goal is to build, they want to destroy, right? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, it's <laughs> like in multiplayer games, it it seems like it's always a tension about the goal, right? Like if you're bad at Overwatch, everybody hates you because you're keeping them from winning. And also, you're in direct uh, conflict with one another, right? Yeah. I mean, you don't really as actively communicate with the other team, but there's still that element of it's teamwork, but you're like. It's different. Yeah. Of, if, yeah. Or, I mean, even, like, friendly fire or just, like, throwing, like, kills. Like, you know, just running into the enemy gunfire. Like, those things always seem, like, opposed. But when you have more of, like, like an MMO-style, like, collaborative quest, mm-hmm. you can't really hurt somebody most of the time from achieving that goal by doing poorly or actively inhibit them. Mm-hmm. So it seems like maybe the griefers don't have as much room to operate. I mean, if it's more cooperative, I assume their interest to help you be better rather than right. not, right. like, to be mad at you for being bad. I don't know but the game. distinction is there, right? Like, competitive games are yeah. cooperative, but yeah. it's usually not the the enemy team that I find is, like, screaming <laughs> at me in the chat. It's my teammates. Right. Uh, yeah. You know. That's very true. So that's, I don't know, just an interesting sort of uh, observation. I don't know. Thing. It's a thing. It's a thing. It is a thing. <laughs> oh, it's my turn. Yeah, yep. Robbie. What you got, Robbie? Okay. Um, well, I played a lot of games. Um, mostly this year, I think I played on my Android phone. And most of them are not worth mentioning at all. <laughs> um, there are two that are kind of sort of worth mentioning, only because I think it's a genre that is... Um, Mostly rightly maligned, but um, uh, idle clicker games. And so there's two that really surprised me. One of them was Match Girl, which I think you suggested to me, Brad. Did I? Maybe. Okay. But uh, it... it, Oh, yes. Match Girl. It quickly becomes just another... Mechanically, like, a ridiculous um, uh, idle clicker game. And which, for me, when I play these games, I sort of... I get the idea... And then I'm out, and then I'm, I'm on either to the next one, or I just don't play a, ma- a clicker game for a while. But this one surprised me because it, like, you play as a poor little girl who is selling matches for money uh, because she's poor and her grandmother just died, but also because the matches spread happiness because they're, like, enchanted by the spirit of her dead mother. And it, 
It's it yeah. Wow. It starts off like really heartfelt and like it's a cute little sprite and like there you see like the spirit of her dead mother and the dialogue like is immediately like I felt like sad for her and like mm-hmm. I really identified with her quest and there was sad music and there's like snow coming down on this poor street that she's trying to give away these matches on and then um, and then suddenly like the music starts. Uh, oh, well, the music starts actually really really slow and somber as she's giving away these matches, but then as it goes and she starts making more money, um, the music becomes happy and there's like fever time and like now you're selling a lot of matches and you're making a lot of money. And then, then it stops and there's like another chapter and she meets like a, some, like a poor beggar or she meets like some person that's like going to rob her for her money. But she, just for sheer gumption or her kind soul just turns them around and then they become her friend but functionally in the and game and she puts them to work right they, they become another worker in your machine of it's just it's an out clicker game so you have another thing that's collecting money they, for you they become a click bonus right and so after a while of that I was I was done but it, it surprised <laughs> me because uh, I don't know they, they, they took the time at least to craft those little moments of like really sincere actually emotionally impactful dialogue which would you would not expect at all in an idle clicker? It, it's game. like the Charles Dickens novel of of idle clicker games. Yes, and, and I it really made me think like there there's something here. Like they, I think they they did that for laughs because you could have the sort of the juxtaposition. Yeah. Yep. But if you if you strip that away, you might be able to make something kind of like like what if it was like a, a commune of these you know poor unfortunate souls that are now mm-hmm. like banding together and like making money for them. So that could be a, a kind of cool game, and it could still have that emotional. Impact. So then there's a second one called Armory and Machine, which is like uh, an idle clicker game if J.J. Abrams made one. <laughs> it's, there's almost no information, and the UI is very sparse, and it's just sort of like you, you click a thing, and then it says something happens. It almost doesn't seem like an idle clicker game at first. And you're just sort of fi- like you're hitting a thing, and then something happens, and then after, after you gain a certain amount of points, there's like a cutscene, except it's all text that says that something else happened somewhere. You don't know how any of these things are connected, but now you have another option. So now you can click that. And then and then before I knew it, suddenly now I'm, oh, it's an idle clicker game. I What's it, it called again? Armory and Machine. Hmm. And uh, and so as you go through it, you're building this machine, and, and eventually you kind of get it, and like, like I said, I was I was out. But it was just interesting to me that it was, it just fed me this these, this information, and, and a lot of it was just sort of in my head, like imagining... Yeah what the vent would look like and stuff that's making all this stuff happen. And I don't know, it, it, that was also really cool. Like, there's a lot more in the genre that can be done. There really is. And and so I I think the bulk of the games that I probably played over the past year were probably idle clicker games mm-hmm. on my phone uh, the same way. And it's amazing how sitting and just trying to describe them and talk about them, they seem so inane yeah. and, 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 and lifeless and empty and it's just the same thing. But actually playing them, there is, there's a lot underneath them all that's really, that I didn't expect. Right. But, and, and plus, there's also the, uh, the, the reward uh, in your brain that we talk yeah. about that just feels good getting the bigger thing, you know. Uh, I played uh, Tap Titans 2. Okay, uh, yeah, yeah. And it, it was another one of those just like that. I played just a ton of it. And it wasn't super great, but it was... I don't know. It, it, it was satisfying. It was there. Yeah. So then, uh, magically, or it was a magical <laughs> moment for me, uh, in the last quarter of the year, I got 
a PS4. Yay. And so I've been playing a lot of games on that. Uh, so yeah, pretty much. Uh, the heavens opened and I uh, played my... I actually, I have a golden controller. <laughs> so, it's a Christmas <laughs> yes. miracle. Um, but it, what it made me realize was over the past eight years, I've played only on my PC or my uh, phone. And if I played on a console, it was only a Nintendo console. Or, if it wasn't a Nintendo console, it was only to play a fighting game. It's the only thing I played on not a Nintendo console. And what I mean to realize was, at some point, from when I was in high school, or maybe even middle school, uh, console games switched to having a lot of functionality in the shoulder buttons. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, in a way that I did not expect at all. In Nintendo games, a lot of games are, they're still the, those four, the face buttons. Um, and then in fighting games, obviously, that's where the main action is, too. So now, like, it's, it, we'll talk about this later on. Um, can I say the name? <gasps> yes. Okay, so yeah. it, I've been playing a little bit of God of War, and that has a lot of functionality in the shoulder buttons that I, I just, it takes a lot of getting, I know I said it. Um, that'll come up later. Uh, that I just wasn't prepared for, and so it, I, it does feel a little bit like old man learns how to play video games for the first time <laughs> and if it's this it was the same way when i tried to play red dead redemption um mm-hmm. earlier with you guys because its I was controls like, are real convoluted yeah like yeah. what is happening i think i yeah and and again this is old man learns to play video games but i i still remember by the way guys robbie is like 17 yeah 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 <laughs> <laughs> and like i i remember when shoulder buttons were first introduced <laughs> and i remember like when even like the the uh the PlayStation controller was first introduced, and I was like, look at all these options. Yes. This is, like, no one's ever going to use all of these. <laughs> Who would ever need more than four buttons? Right, exactly. <laughs> so, so now that we have, like, radial menus and stuff, it's like, what are we doing? Yeah. Just because you can do it, like, should you? <laughs> um, yeah. I feel that way about the Red Dead control scheme. Because, yeah. like, I play a lot of console games, and that one still, I have to be like, still. all right, I'm riding my horse, so my thumb is, like, jumped, jammed all the way up, and I'm going to hit a bumper yeah. and press B and slide the right joystick, and, yeah. That's a lot. It's like, really it, a lot. It's do, we, funny. do we curse on this part? I totally Yeah. That's a lot of bullshit. <laughs> My experience with it is completely the opposite. Really? Yeah. Huh. I found it totally intuitive. So it's, it's so not the that old I, man becomes yeah. a young man. Whoa, so I always cool. know what I need to do, but like the, the mechanics of actually doing it. So like mm-hmm. I know where all the buttons are and like I like the progression, like radial menu, you know, RB opens that and then you, you sort of progress from there. Uh-huh. You know, uh, honestly, with the amount of things that you can do, mm-hmm. I can't really fair. imagine it being much different than it is. Yeah. yeah. But, I, but I, I get out of sequence. Like, even though I know the right thing, I'll accidentally shoot people or punch people. <laughs> yeah. Or, like, punch your horse in punch, the face. <laughs> punch my horse in the face, use the wrong item, start shooting wildly over yeah. a lake and incur, <laughs> yeah. like, a $300 bounty on somebody else's save file. Yes. <laughs> That would be a horrible thing to do. It you would never, ever do that That'd to anyone. That would be a really horrible thing to do. To Especially somebody. someone who's poor and hasn't, <laughs> hasn't done the bank robbery yet. Yeah. So that he doesn't have the two grand from the bank robbery. Yeah. So that said, <laughs> uh, on my PS4, I've played... The two main games that I've played uh, are Street Fighter V and Soul Calibur Six. Nice. And one of those games is great. <laughs> and one of those games is so disappointing. You better be careful what you say. So Soul Calibur Six is wonderful, <laughs> uh, and and About Street Fighter Five. I, I still <laughs> I still like Street Fighter, and uh, I still liked I guess liked playing Street Fighter Five, 
Um, specifically the arcade edition because it's cheap and you get a lot of characters. But man, like the base game comes with almost no, like very few characters. Very few characters from classic Street Fighter games. Mm. It's $5 to buy a, a new character. And a lot of them are classic characters that people like. I, you can buy a season pass. There's three seasons now. Each season pass is like $30. And that gives you another... Yeah. Oh so God. Yeah, that's, that's brutal. <laughs> also, so, don't all the characters have ads? Yes. Okay. So, so hold on. So, yes. So another, the advertisements. So another big deal in fighting games, especially in games like... Is like alternate color schemes and alternate costumes. And especially with a game like Street Fighter that's been around for multiple decades. Yes. There's a lot of alternate costumes that people like seeing. You get none of those. You get one costume and one alternate color scheme in case the player two wants to play the same character. That's it. And they have they all have multiple costumes, probably more than five. And each of those costumes has nine different colors. Each one of those is a separate unlock that costs money. Yeah. I don't like it. No, I don't like it either. Uh, and I don't uh, like to and I don't like to complain about DLC stuff, but this is one of the few games that just seems really punishing. And then they made it worse a few months ago with, that they since backpedaled, but they made it so that in the game there are advertisements for all these DLC packs that appear as stickers on top of all of the characters. And there there's a free currency in the game that uh, you'll you can earn less of by turning off those ads. So basically, like, the game becomes, like, a, an even bigger grind if you turn off those ads, but if you leave them on, there's just gross stickers all You know what this sounds like? Yeah. This sounds like it's run Netflix. by the bad guys in Hubbard. Yes. So, yeah. <laughs> like, the guys who want to ruin fun. Who made it slash published it? This is Capcom. Capcom. Okay. Is yeah, this is that's, that's what I thought. It sounds like the kind of thing that, like, oh, they sold it to someone yeah, and they, they ruined this it. this to Monster Hunter. Well, that's, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> right. So, nice. Monster Hunter World God. being their most successful game ever, yeah. it, is, it is $60 at most. Yeah, After a year, they announced a paid DLC for the first time, which people are mad about because of they course. said that they, there always are. Yeah, that, yeah. they said well, that like the content would be. They free. said that we would put out DLC for free forever for this game, and so far every because they they've come out with new right. content monthly, a new monster, yeah. a new difficulty, new new items, new weapons, like substantial content, and it's all been completely free. So it's baffling to me. That they think that that's something that people want yeah, or Cap- would do Capcom is or a, even be okay with. They're a great company, and they've done a lot for the, like the fighting genre and the fighting yeah. community yeah, in general. I don't know what their idea... Like, I have no idea why they did this to Street Fighter V. It's bizarre to me. But it you would, have to think that it's two separate, completely separate offices like, or wings or, right. or even... It's Almost like two separate studios it, within. I feel like a company like like Capcom. There has to be some sort of company wide like right. monetization policies. Like within, there has to be some well, sort of guidelines. I, I'm sure that make, it could have just been you know an experiment to just figure out yeah. like, what can we. What's what we how much, how much yeah. can we spend? Yeah. <laughs> right. Okay. So if if any uh, Capcom executives yeah. are listening, because we know you all listen, <laughs> we know. We know. Uh, uh, chime back in and tell us yeah. what you were thinking. But uh, also, we don't like it. On the opposite side of that, because I'm not against DLC, Soul Calibur VI um, has a reasonable amount of characters, um, and their DLC season pass is also $30, and it only gives you three extra characters and, like, two armor packs for the giant customization, like, build-your-own-fighter mode, um, which is arguably less than you would get from the season pass of Street Fighter, but somehow... Mm -hmm. 
I'm fine with it. Um, I like the game, and um, I well, it seems more honest, and straightforward, yeah. more, yeah. more, you know, upfront. Well, because it it has a solid roster to start with, right? In terms yeah, of yeah. characters, so yeah. like, I I feel like I can justify like dropping ten dollars on an extra character, yeah. if I really want them, right? Like, rather than the game enough, and yeah. Yeah. yeah, plus there's more skin. <laughs> it's true. There can be. There can be. Yeah, yeah, you can, you can also make your character and have them not have skin. But, um, or show skin, rather. They all have skin. You can also make them not have skin. That's true. They're skeleton characters. Okay. Sounds a lot like Graveyard Keeper. Um, but, uh, you want corpses with skin on them? But That's going to cost extra. And the other weird thing, though, you'd almost think that it would be flipped because Street Fighter is so much more of a technical game like you you, uh Mm -hmm. a very good street fighter game versus a mediocre or bad street fighter or yeah street player a a street fighter player that's not very good versus a street fighter player that's very good uh, neither of them are going to have fun but in soul caliber if you are a very good soul caliber player and you're kind of an okay soul caliber character you can both have fun maybe uh, one person's definitely going to win but you will both get something out of it I, I, the thing I remember from older versions, Soul Calibur 2 and 3, I think, is they were the textbook definition of just a button smasher. We would yeah. play with friends at a party, mm-hmm. and the, the guy who owned it would be the guy who played like t- 20 hours of it a week. And then somebody's girlfriend would come over and play it and just, just yep. nail those buttons and whoop his tail, like wipe him out. Mm. That's what happens if you play Maxi, right, Tanner? Yes. yes. Yeah, That's the only character I can beat Olivia with. Fast <laughs> characters. <laughs> well, that was the way the old Street Fighter was, too. I could always win with Chun-Li, except when she was uh, Blan- Blanco, Blanca, uh-huh. the little green guy. Yeah. Uh, when she fought him, he was the only one who so, so that's the thing. So nowadays, when people play fighting games, they do, like... They are to the point of like they know how many frames an attack mm-hmm. takes, wow. and they know which attacks like in the code which attack takes priority over yeah. another. Mm-hmm. So if you try to button mash, they will just wipe the floor with yeah. you because if you are not doing the right thing, uh-huh. they know how to counter exactly. Yeah, what I encountered that a lot in Soul Calibur Four, even. Yeah, oh, they do that a lot in, yeah. in Soul Calibur, but Soul Calibur has like it's the mechanics are so are in some ways a lot more like bare bones. It is, and mm-hmm. there's yeah. So it's it's a lot easier to sort of accidentally gain advantage. Yeah. Anyway, that's what I've been playing. It's a lot of good games. That is a lot of good games. Mm, a yes. whole year or so, or six months. It's supposed to be six months, but we kind of six did. months to a year. Six months to a year, and there's so many more. Or that just we didn't the last mention. Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> let's hey, real quick. Let's just go around like the table Celeste. and talk about yes, talk about really quickly. Maybe two or three other name drop. Two or three other mm-hmm. games. I'll go first. Um, no Man's Sky and Rhyme Dreza. I I also played No Man's Sky this year, and <laughs> uh, I know there's more, but but I don't. We I come don't, back to you, Olivia. Yeah. Rimworld. Rimworld. Nice. Yes. Mm. Duck game in Chambara. Mm. We nice. played together. Duck Some game. Of I think. Yes. Yeah, I played yeah, four yeah, of us. Yeah. That's what I got. Joe. Celeste. I'm playing Celeste. So hard. So hard. You've been playing it so hard, or it is so hard? It is so hard. <laughs> uh, an- another quick thing that I revisited, yeah. um, I bought like a retro Atari console. A lot. There's a lot of bad there. Yeah. But there's also some games that are like, what? it's weird that this is not a mechanic 
anymore. And so huh. I, I've been kind of going through that. <laughs> Yar's Revenge. Yes, I like Yar's Revenge a lot. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of things. Because it's like, the best game ever made this... on the Atari. Wow. <laughs> and like, big... there's a lot of things. I'm not that are disagreeing. Sort of like, but... Why? Why? It would be neat to get back. And a lot of them are just arcade games mm-hmm. that are that have been moved to console. But there's some stuff there to mine for new ideas. I think. Yeah. So lightning round. Is there a game you didn't play this year that you really wanted to? I can go. I really want to play Spider-Man for the PS4. Yes. I've heard that it's fantastic. I have that one too. Especially after watching Into the Spider-Verse. I'm like... Oh, it's so good. Spider-Man on the brain. Yeah. That's immediately what I wanted to do when I left the theater. Yes. I agree. Celeste is another one that I've been really wanting to play. Oh, so. so hard. And lots of, like... It's so hard. And there's so many <laughs> tiny micro games that I've been waiting on, too, yeah. like uh, Heavens Will Be Mine. Mm-hmm. That one's uh, a big one. I'm, I'm, ready for, I'm ready for Foundation to come out. It's another one of those banished-like city builders that has a lot of really interesting mm. oh, gushy yes. mechanics. Stellar Tactics I really want to play, and I haven't I played heard that one. I don't think. Mutant Year Zero. Mutant Year Zero is a game I really want to play mm-hmm. that I didn't get to play. Mm-hmm. Um, Divinity piece. Original Sin 2 I haven't played. Mm-hmm. Pillars yeah. of Eternity Sev- 2. Several. <laughs> 72. <laughs> I still haven't played the new, this is Blasphemous, the new Pokemon game. Huh? <gasps> I know. I really want to. And uh, I also really want to play I'm blanking. So really that's probably all I want to play. <laughs> That's awesome. Anybody got anything else you want to add to this wonderful year-end uh, send-off of 2018 and the games we played that weren't podcast games? No. Well, no, no, nothing. Excellent. But we do have lots of fun new stuff to talk about for next year. Olivia, for tell us podcast. about it. Tell us all about it. So, I guess since we're wrapping up, I will go ahead and make some cool announcements. First. You gotta hype it up. First, season three, season three is going to be bigger and better. Yeah, that's right. The fate of the world. Exactly. We will save the world. Can in we get some air three. horn? Do, do, do. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's yeah. Cool. So we're doing lots of really awesome stuff for season three. Since this is the finale of season two, which means we're doing this for a whole year, which is really crazy. Yes. Um, we actually stuck with it for a whole year. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> so a couple of the games that are really just one, really, of the games that we played last year, we realized it's really hard to fit in a month. Yep. Uh, it was near, in case you guys yeah. were wondering. Um, it was our longest episode. Yeah. yeah. And it, it covered probably the least Not amount of the game. game. Yeah, yeah. Like, to what we needed. Yeah. To, yeah. So in order to fix that in the future, what we're going to be doing now is a game of the season in addition to our game of the month. So we're no longer going to be doing these recap episodes, at least not in the capacity that we have been doing them. Instead, at the end of next season, we are going to talk about God of War, which is our first game of the season, and we will have played it over the whole season so that we can talk about it at the end. And that will happen in June. Yes, for our June, June podcast. it will the be end of the, the end of the end of June. So it'll come out in yep. early, early July. July. Early July. But each yeah. month, we're still going to talk about a different game. Yep, mm-hmm. we still have our game of the month. This is in addition to that. So this will be going on in the background, and we will try not to talk about it too much, but we'll probably not succeed. Yes, And feel free to play along with Absolutely. God of War, specifically 2018, 
Yeah, not the, the PS2 Oh, yeah, I guess game. we got to be clear. <laughs> <laughs> the pseudo-reboot. Yes. So uh, so that's our first announcement. Then you want to take off the second announcement? Sure. Uh, which one? There's like four. Which Pick one gets one. to be second? Pick Patreon. one. Okay. So, yes, we have a Patreon page, which for those of you who do not know or are not familiar with Patreon... It is a donation service where you can support creators that you like. Uh, <laughs> um, you can donate uh, as little as a dollar a month um, or as much as you like if you're feeling generous. You can uh, donate a million dollars a month. A million dollars a month. I'm sure. Again, we won't okay. stop you. Capcom execs, if you're out there listening. <laughs> um, we, 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 we will put stickers all over our Patreon page. <laughs> if you give us a million dollars a month. I'm wearing a sticker right now. <laughs> the Patreon page, are, so supporting us through Patreon, there are different tiers. Uh, but, you know, you get things like early access to new episodes. Um, you get featured on our website as a supporter. Can vote uh, in uh, polls. Monthly polls about what games we're going to play or different topics, things like that. We're going to be more punctual um, so that you, the, the early <laughs> early episodes is actually yeah. a, a big Not bonus. like this episode. <laughs> right. um, what we, are you talking about? It's not even Christmas yet. <laughs> we're also going to do, uh, if we get to $100 a month, uh, we're going to give away a copy of the game that we play every month. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a free way to participate. Blooper uh, reels. Blooper reels. Complete and, with nudity. <laughs> <laughs> the the not safe for work <laughs> audio right file. It's an audio podcast. But <laughs> just oh, right. It's an audio yeah. podcast. Well, that doesn't mean I forgot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but in other tons of great things it's still sort of a work in progress so if you have something that you would like to see on the Patreon that we could maybe try and work in let us know Uh, yeah yeah, if you want to support us, at least go check it out and see what cool stuff is there right now the first poll is up and it's for patrons only so anybody that is I believe a $2 patron or above can vote in the poll and we can figure out what we're going to be doing next episode it'll be up to you guys so it's really exciting. Um, two rapid-fire things, the last two points that sort of go together. Uh, we are looking at doing streaming, so if you can't buy the game every month, uh, maybe you can watch us play some of the game and form your own opinions. Also get to see us sort of as we play it. That'll be uh, an on-and-off kind of thing, but we'll tweet about it and post about it when we are going to be streaming. That'll be on Twitch. Uh, we also have a Discord server now, uh, so if you want to come and chat with other people about the podcast or chat with us. Or learn um, about our games. Yeah. Anything Little Rock Games related. Galactic Scoundrels. Mm-hmm. To the exactly. rescue. You can. And more. more. <laughs> <laughs> There's always more. Uh, so yeah, we, we want to hear from more of you. Um, we want to do more with the podcast. Uh, so head over and talk to us and everybody else. And yeah. Nice. So, next month. For next month's game, for the month of January, which is actually this month, um, we will be playing Oberdin. Um, Return of. Return of, oh, Return of the Oberdin. <laughs> I, just, I just see the big words on the, on the logo. Um, Return of the Oberdin, uh, as with all these games, uh, this is one that I picked, as with all these games, uh, play along with us throughout the month of January, and then at the end of the month, let us know what you thought. Uh, give us your thoughts on game design, elements of it, on uh, playability, what you liked, what you didn't like, and uh, we'll do the same at the end of the month. And with that, I think we're going to sign off. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next time. 
Thanks for listening to the Little Rock Games Game of the Month Club podcast. Our theme music is Plain Loafer, composed by Kevin McLeod, and is available under the Creative Commons license via freemusicarchive.org. You can also find us on the web at littlerockgames.com, on Twitter at PlayLRGames, on Facebook and Instagram at Little Rock Games, and you can now get exclusive Little Rock Games content by becoming a patron on our Patreon page. Just search Patreon for Little Rock Games and join us. As always, we appreciate your support.